worth is a calorie. We are the works of art, all in the same family, beating with one heart. Pride tears us apart. Be wise and let's connect. Where lost becomes found. Yeah, this is the bridge. Welcome to the Missing Link podcast where we connect creators and fans. This is the homie DJ Lost and Found, and we got the truth with us live and direct. True, yes, please sir. introduce yourself, Mr. Emmanuel Lambert Jr. Yep. <laughs> Your That's government. my government name, Emmanuel Lee Lambert Jr. I go by the truth. Excited to be here. Christian artist, um, husband of one wife, father of two beautiful daughters. Um, soon to be, well, actually, am currently um, pastor of apologetics at Hillsong Church in Atlanta. Um, and is there anything else? I think that's it. <laughs> Excited to be on. Thank you guys for having me. Whoa, praise God! You you gotta have to chop that up real quick. So, <laughs> the, did I understand that correctly? Pastor of apologetics. Like yeah. specifically, like like specifically that. apologetics, pastor of apologetics at Hillsong. Can, can you break that down for us a little bit? What does that mean? Okay, for, so apolog- for those that don't know what apologetics, of course, are. of course, apologetics. Okay, so the the technical term, I mean, the technical definition is reasoned argumentation in defense of a, a religious position, um, and what it stems from is is actually an ancient concept. Um, Paul the Apostle wrote about where I think it's in the book of Timothy where he says um, sanctify the Lord holy in your hearts always being ready to give a defense to all who ask about the hope that lies within you with all gentleness and respect so essentially the so uh, the goal of apologetics is ultimately evangelism is ultimately the gospel but it's really it's really the strategy and getting to the gospel because what we find is that particularly in this climate, um, there are a lot of people who are, uh, you know, uh, adversarial to dogma. Um, they don't, nobody likes to be told what to believe or what to think, um, much anymore, um, in a plural, in a pluralistic relativistic society. Um, and so it's very difficult to just to, to walk up to people, particularly cold in a cold, <laughs> uh, relationship and tell them you need Jesus, <laughs> you know, <laughs> believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. And I'm not saying it doesn't work anywhere at any time. I'm just saying, given the culture, the current cultural climate, it's a, it's far more difficult to, today to do that than it was, let's say 10 to 15 years ago. People are more, but people, but people are more to pr- more prone and more likely to have conversations, um, which I think is important. I think it's, it was important for me about four or five years ago to, to kind of sh- transition from preaching to conversation. Um, when I say preach, I mean the gospel. Um, so, I, I, because the truth of the matter is that the Christian is not called to convert. The Christian is only called to converse. Uh, we're really only called to have conversation. Um, and then the conversion aspect of our faith is solely and wholly um, left up to God. And so, uh, Apollo, what apologetics does is it spans, it spans across all the disciplines um, and it appeals to whatever discipline in order to uh, engage in conversation. Uh, so, for example, if a person is an atheist, um, they, they believe neither in God or the supernatural realm, right, nor the Bible. So um, it would be counterproductive if I were to try to argue from the Bible 
for to build a case for God because they don't believe in the credibility or the authority of the Bible. And it would be equally counterproductive for me to argue, argue the Bible from the vantage point of God. So a person says, why do you believe in the Bible? And you say, because God wrote it. Well, well, and you say, well, why do you believe that God wrote the Bible? You say, because God exists. Well, how did, well, that's circular reasoning. And that doesn't really make a lot of, that's really irrational, honestly. It's a, a logical fallacy. Um, and so how, where do I go from there? You don't believe in the credibility of the, of the Bible. You don't believe in the existence of God. But I want to have a conversation with you about God in the realm of the supernatural. Well, now I have to appeal to something that provides a common ground for us, philosophy, history, archaeology, uh, science, etc. And so that's what apologetics does, and ultimately the scriptures. Um, and so that's what apologetics does. It basically spans across the, di the disciplines, you appealing to them um, in order that in order to um, formulate reasonable arguments for our religious convictions. That makes sense. <laughs> that, that makes a whole lot of sense. I, I'm big on when I when I got saved, I was got pushed into the Bible Institute where yeah, we got yeah. into heavy deep theology and apologetics in particular. So I, I have an affinity yeah. for apologetics and read tons yeah. of books, watched plenty of documentaries and stuff like that. So that's that's yeah, really yeah, good yeah. stuff, and that's really important. I think one of the one of the most beneficial during these times, right, with all the social unrest, and th this has been happening through history, but I think the epitome of it as far as uh urban culture black and brown folks right however people want to refer to it right people of color um the epitome and one of the biggest moments for me personally was when you shared the message you had station with a brother i forgot his name and you were talking about how we are all made in the image of god and that perspective if we hold to that perspective that's what can change how we interact and how we love our neighbor right and so that was just such a crucial uh, yeah. conversation um yeah yeah you yeah. have to have a starting point yeah no 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 i think it's important um and, and like like you said particularly in this in this climate the social climate where they're the, people, I, I, the, the interesting thing about um, how the kind of like there's a there's a, a synergy and a convergence of things that uh, a convergence of events and uh, ideas, you know, that kind of bring us to this bring bring that that kind of shapes culture. Right. It, it, it kind of takes us from where we were to where we are. If you ever ask, like, things were different in 1950 than they are 2020. How did we get here? <laughs> right? Things in 1950, that, you know, there was a lot more homogeny, right? 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 But in other words, the people thought, even if they didn't think the same, because to, but because the idea of not thinking the same was taboo, everybody said the same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You follow right. me? So there, the, the culture was a lot more homogenous in that sense. Whereas in 2020, it's opposite. Like one of the, you know, one of the highest values, you know, one of the core values in the 1950s was conservatism. You know, <laughs> whereas in 2020, you know, the core value is liberalism. You know, the the, the core value in 1950 was, you know, we're all saying the same thing. We all agree, kumbaya. In 2020, the core value is independent thinking, you know, find your own truth. How do we get from there to here? Well, the way we got there was 
culture has been exported and shaped um, by a number of, by a series of events <laughs> and a number of different, you know, philosophical ideas and all of those things kind of come together and kind of bring us to where we are. So I'm saying that to say that when we look where, where we see where we are today, it's really no surprise to us, you know, um, but where we are today socially, what we don't realize oftentimes is where we are today, how where we are today socially impacts every other, has tentacles in every other arena of life and has tentacles in every um, every every conversation every type of conversation it has tentacles in corporate America it has tentacles in corporate America they after George Floyd they all went back to the boardroom and said we need more brown people <laughs> or else <laughs> you know what I'm saying Wait. how many yeah. you know when you look at what the, the, literally the week after George Floyd when I was scrolling through Netflix, all the all the covers uh-huh. that were you know had white faces as like the front runner, mm-hmm. like that 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 you, you quickly shifted. Even if the even if the, the black guy was like a, a stock actor, <laughs> like a a, a D list, they had that boy's face and the front yeah. they were representation, right? But the, my point is that it's impacting everything. It touches everything. No one thing is just in you know in its own little bubble everything affects everything and even religion even theology which is which brings us to where we are now you look at the conversation concerning christianity why are many people of color migrating away from it a large part of it has to do with sociology not theology Mm, yeah (laughs) Mm. and and a, a large part of the reason why there's such a mass migration away from christianity today is because it's viewed as Western in its origin. Now, we know that that's not true, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We know, in fact, we know the opposite is true, right? We understand brown skin, Palestinian, Middle Eastern, like we get all of right. that. We understand the roots that Christianity has in, in Africa. But like we get all of that, all of us who, you know, are Christians. But from the outside looking in, if all you've ever had from a social perspective is the, the pictures and the paintings of Jesus, the depictions, uh, in fact, of Jesus in the movie in movies like The Passion. You know, if all you've ever had was Grandmom's Church, where the quintessential white, you know, white blue, you know, white uh, stringy blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus mm-hmm. with a trickle of blood holding a white lamb, is the only is the picture that's most represented on the stained glass and on the back of the church van. This is, these are the only images that you have of Jesus. Of course, you're going to believe that this is a white man's religion. And then you look with, look at Christian nationalism and what, you know, um, colonization and, you know, what, uh, um, unfortunately, some of our uh, white counterparts, you did, uh, the ways in which they abused Christianity for their uh, for the sake of their own benefit, of course you're going to believe that <laughs> Christianity right. is the religion of our oppressors. Of course you're going to. And so now what we're facing as a consequence is that the, uh, many people of color are going away from Christianity into ancestralism, into Hebrew Israelism, into, you know, or, or, or Islam. Right. Because, not because of how it tickles the itch theologically, mm. but because of how it tickles the itch sociologically, <laughs> you see? And so when we begin to talk about 
apologetics and we talk about sociology and talking about the social climate and all of these things are kind of working together and Christians have to, this is why Paul the Apostle says, I'm sorry, not Paul the, Paul the Apostle, the Bible says that one of the greatest giftings of uh, the sons of Issachar was what? Knowing, the, understanding the times and knowing what to do in light of them. Now, when I looked at that passage, I mean, when I, I looked at that passage recently and I said, man, it's, that's such a strange thing to highlight in the context of all these other, this list of other kind of uh, um, t- uh, tribes that had all these other kind of grandiose gifts. It's like, wait, how in the, like, why did you highlight they knew what was going on? <laughs> like, what's right. the big deal? Like, you see right. what I'm saying? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's in the context, that's listed in the context of all the other tribes and their particular giftings. And their particular giftings, comparatively speaking, seems so much bigger. <laughs> it's like, wait, mm-hmm. okay, they they knew what was going on. Was, they watched CNN right. and got, you know, so it was the... <laughs> right, it was they watched the TMZ. Times, like, what's the big okay. deal? But I, I, like, that's a, that's a spiritual right. gift now. I don't remember that being a part of the exactly. spiritual gift. Exactly, but you know what I realized? <laughs> is that the thing that makes it unique is that what he's saying essentially <laughs> is that they were able to discern the spirit of the age. <laughs> uh, See, that's different than wow. just, I, I have my thumb on the pulse of the culture oh. and no, people wear skinny jeans now and not baggies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. 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 <laughs> this is, no, they were able to discern the spirit of the age, which is what Paul the Apostle talks about in the New Testament. And so I think that above all else, that's what's most important for us as we are kind of figuring out how do I engage? How do I have these conversations? What's going on? Where do we fit into this? We must first take a step back and ask the Lord, please help us to have a discernment of the spirit mm-hmm. of the times. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I don't know if you got to follow up. You know, I get, <laughs> you know, I get. Uh, yeah, I'll hop in right here. My question is basically about uh, the effects of Western Christianity. Now, is this something where we're seeing this worldwide where thought processes of Western Christianity and the way that we are, or that the way that people depict Jesus, um, the way people think of, of uh, theology uh, is all of that affected by the Western um, way of thinking as far as Christianity goes. Think about the impact of, uh, of slavery um, and how widespread that, you know, that was. That you know, so 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 slavery obviously has tentacles everywhere, literally, like in in Africa, you know, in the states, in Europe, you know. So wherever you know, uh, wherever slavery kind of has tent, wherever the the tentacles of slavery are, there is also this issue of whitewashed Christianity, which has plagued you know and it's not until now that we're beginning to see a revolt against it (laughs) people are feeling emboldened and empowered and this is the information age and social media and we have you you see what i mean so with all of these that's what i was saying earlier it's it's a convergence of things there's no one thing that kind of brings people to this place and so people now are feeling more Excuse me. Empower our artists are feeling more emboldened, more empowered to, you know. There's a 
there's this revolt against Christianity. You saw that in Black is King. You know that you know the, the one of the in one of the raps they say there's no Bible in the jungle. You know the image of God is really the image of man. That's how the 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 that's how that's how it starts and. So you see that, and then you look at, you know, some of the many of the other artists that have just kind of moved towards, you know, more, um, you know, Near Eastern uh, philosophies and, you know, Big Sean, the likes of Big Sean and Janae Akko and, you know, obviously Erica Badu, even though she's an older artist, yeah. she has, you know, kind of, um, you know, it has heavily influenced uh, so many of even the younger artists, you know, it's more crystals and, you know, everybody's kind of like, away with Christianity because that's that thing that they gave us to keep us down mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's everywhere ranging from Europe to the States to Africa and, and beyond so yeah man praise God that's so good so so man uh, we uh, as a fan for a very very long time um, I I've seen kind of an evolution of your of your engagement and I, I think it's exactly what you just explained like instead of preaching you're moving into conversations and doing something yeah. meaningful so as far as your content uh, moving forward right this album we definitely got to get into that um but just your content moving forward and how you you have been a presence online you're doing more uh videos more talks more interviews about these type of subjects that are so timely right now so what yeah. What is the, the logic in your mind behind this? So are there like some next steps in your mind or some strategies that the Lord has given you or some divine yeah. insight or just kind of like, you know, light bulbs that went off to kind of change your approach and even how you do music and how you engage your audience and, and the world? How do you yeah, ab absolutely. I'm constantly in the tension of trying of, of still figuring those things out, how to engage. Um, I, I don't. I think that's that's not static. That's not something you figure out. <laughs> you know. I mean, I think you can have. I mean, I think you can have kind of a, a you know, a, a a construct that helps you to you know kind of you know think through strategies and most effective ways maybe and engaging with. But obviously, you can have those. Um, but it's nothing like getting in the ring <laughs> it's like when you in that ring i don't yeah. care how much schooling you got bro right you figuring it out as you go bro so right. um so i will say that much um that that, that i am yeah. that i'm an i am an eternal student in that regard but um yeah I, I think that there was a light bulb moment for me around 2015 2016 uh, when i realized that the conversation changed the the i'll put it this way uh, that the way we people were having the conversation changed. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I realized, I started realizing that, um, and again, when I say, pre I don't have anything against preaching. I think preaching is important. Um, um, when I say preaching, I, it, it, I'm thinking, I guess, more from a cultural standpoint, uh, what we think, what we think preaching, the gospel, um, we think a polemic kind of standing on the corner with a bullhorn. Um, telling the world to repent and be saved. Right. And I'm saying that as far as I'm concerned, I started sensing around 2016, the importance of even using my musical platform to um, think, to be more conversational. In other words, uh, for example, my song Religion uh, that I have on the, this complicated album with Dr. Zacharias, it, um, it, it's a very, it's open-ended, you know, I, the, the, the entire song, I'm just talking about, you know, I, I was raised in a Christian home, you know. Can you hear me now? Okay. Saying like it, yeah, on the song Religion is very open-ended. I was talking about how 
you know, I grew up in a Christian That's home, but uh, there are a lot of questions that were raised, you know, in my mind, like, wait, you know, is all that is really real? You know, you come to a, you get into what um, I believe sociologists call the post-critical stage of development. Uh, Pre-critical stage of development is uh, any age before the age of 12, um, where you just kind of take whatever you're taught as truth. Um, but the post-critical stage of development is obviously any age following or after uh, 12 years old, where you now begin to cross-examine everything that you were told, um, which is what we see for a lot of people in this uh, in this culture of uh, deconstruction. Uh, that's what we're finding. We're finding that people are really just tapping into that post-critical stage of development, uh, where they they feel like they feel the importance of challenging what they were taught and even uh, correcting or uh, correcting the mistakes of uh, former generations <laughs> or what they view or perceive to be mistakes from the former generation. Um, and so I think that for me, I went through that phase um, actually multiple times, you know, even as a more mature Christian, I went through those very exact exact uh, stages where I, I questioned everything I was taught and I really, really wrestled, you know what I mean? Like it, when I went through my, I, I tell people all the time, if I had to, I would love to liken myself into Nathaniel, you know, one of the disciples that, you know, was just, the only thing the Bible says about them is that he saw the Lord, like something like super like <laughs> spiritual and deep. But I, I really liken myself more into Thomas, even present day. I'm naturally a skeptic, which is why I'm also an apologist. Um, because you know, for me, apologetics starts with me first. You know, if I'm if I if I if I take a deep dive into researching um, a matter, any matter concerning my faith, um, it's because I need answers personally. <laughs> you, you see what I mean? Um, yes. and, I, and and so in 2016, I recognized I recognized that in myself, and then I also recognized that the, there was a wave in the culture where people were beginning the process of deconstructing and that the thing that was once attractive to them uh, with regards to, you know, religion, organized religion in general, and then particularly, more particularly Christianity, the thing, the, the place that used to serve as a beacon of light was now a plate represented a place of darkness to them. The place that was once considered the solution to the societal ills and, and problems of the world was now viewed as the problem because after all, how, how is religion the solution to my problem when religion crashed two planes into the Twin Towers? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you see what I'm saying? And, and, so, and, and so for me, yeah, that, 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 that year, 2016, I started thinking through all of these things. And so let me take a step back and even rethink how I want to have these conversations, not just should I have them, but how do I need to have them? So I did, it's complicated. And from that point forward, you know, I've just been on that trajectory and, um, and, and, and really trying to engage using every kind of medium and platform that I have. So let's talk about 2020 and Bridges and some of the conversations that you're having on here. This album was really uh, appropriate in terms of um, the time frame because in a, in, in, in a time where there's yeah. so much political upheaval um, and there's so many chasms uh, and divisions, you know, um, you know, with, with with race at the root, 
um, and politics and religion, um, we decided that we didn't want to participate in creating more barriers, but instead we wanted to build a bridge. And I, and I like this record because what it does is it makes a statement before you get to the music by virtue of the fact that uh, an American artist and a, an African artist have teamed up already begins to make a statement. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you yes, know, yes. It, it already says bridges all by itself. <laughs> um, you know, but we wanted to obviously go a step further because we believe uh, that Christians have all been given the ministry of reconciliation. Um, and, and so we see ourselves as creating a body of work that provides an opportunity for us to have the conversations, you know, about what it means to build a bridge, um, you know, as opposed to uh, create a barrier. Um, and so, man, for us, it was we're building bridges, you know, in, in uh, our genre, you know, we're bringing hip hop and Afrobeat together. We're building bridges, bridges continentally, you know, intercontinentally, yeah. you know, with uh, as a U.S. artist and, uh, and a Nigerian artist. You know, we're building we're building bridges in just so many, uh, so many different ways uh, that, you know, it's the conversation now is really a conversation of healing. How do we heal these divides? A lot of what we, I think, as a as a culture and even as a church, what we wrestle with is many of us are using a lot of the same language. We don't necessarily know how to get there, though. So we're all talking about healing, Christians and non-Christians alike. Uh, we're all talking about love and peace. All of these universal virtues, you know, are kind of falling off the lips of both Christians and non-Christians, you know, uh, the same. But I think that the, where the rub is, is how do we actually get there? Um, and I think that the other rub is there's no way to really know how we get there without knowing how we got here. <laughs> I think this is where yeah. the Christian worldview actually provides context. <laughs> you, you see, because we, we can all talk about where we need to go. God kind of by his, you know, I mean, kind of branded his image on us. Uh, and as image bearers, Christians and non-Christians alike, we all understand these universal virtues are important. We all understand that they should be the highest goal. They're the highest good, peace, love, joy, you know, unity, etc. Where again, the rub is on now, how do we get there? <laughs> well, we right. can't know that unless we know how we got here. And I think, so I think that this as Christians, th there's, at, there's as there, what I believe is that as we, the Christians, Christians and non-Christians can actually come alongside one, side one another and have these conversations. What the non-Christian has to trust the Christian with is the parts of the conversation that are essential but miss, but missing. <laughs> you see, <laughs> you, you follow me. <laughs> but essential but missing because mm. what, because what, what, there's a point in which in which the conversation where we actually kind of we keep going like you stop and we keep going you follow me because here's the question how did we get here how did things why are things so broken <laughs> what right. why is there right why is there brokenness in the in our relationships as blacks and whites at all to begin with but right. you know why is there brokenness in the relationship between you know you know the you know, south africans and you, you see what i mean like why is there any why does this ex exist at all i think that's right. a, that you got to take a couple steps back
You follow me? And, and I know that. simplistic enough to say that it's sin because a go-to yeah. answer, oh, sin, the world is imperfect, the fallacy yeah. of man, the depravity of man, we're depraved, right? All of this stuff. But go ahead. I, I turn it back to you. It's not oh, enough yeah. to say that and just indicate that. We know that, yes, but it's it's way deeper than that. And understanding the actual evolution of how that happened yeah. and what brought us to today is super important. Go ahead. Well, see, yeah. Well, so here's, here's where I would... Here's where what I would say, I would say that, so what we'd have to do is be um, conciliatory and agree with the, the world um, uh, or non-Christians about what you're talking about. Some of those natural external factors. You, you follow what I'm saying? So, you know, maybe the environmental determinants will come along and they'll say, well, it's the economy. It's the context in which, you know, these young people are being raised. They're being you know, classically conditioned to think a certain way, to behave a certain way. If they only had more money, more opportunity, more equity, more equality, more. So the environmental determinants will come along and say, these are the issues. The Christian comes along beside them and says, yes, right. <laughs> we agree. Right, those things aren't false. Yeah, those things they aren't are false at all. False. They're right. They're correct. But what we add to the conversation mm. is, this, is that piece that you just mentioned. Because that's where the mainstream is going to stop in the discussion. They're going to stop at environmental determinism. Here's what we're saying as Christians. To your point, Prophet Lane, what people do a lot of times is they dismiss that, that you know, that those concerns or d dismiss those factors and make a beeline to depravity by, 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 by bypassing the, those other meaningful external factors that contribute to you see what I'm saying? And you just but, dismiss that person. Yeah. yeah. Right. And by doing that, you, the person feels dismissed. Right. But but I would say the key to actually making the conversation more complete is agreeing with them where we can and adding the piece that they've been missing, which is depravity. Because mm. because what, what, what the moment that you bring up environmental determinism, guess what the next question is? Well, why does that exist? <laughs> see, you keep see, yeah. see, what depravity does is it gives us a place to land. <laughs> That's good. I gotta write that one down now. You see, it, 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 it gives us a place to land so that because otherwise we'll just be talking about the issues at a finitum without any sense of, well, we have to have some some point of origin for all of this. <laughs> you follow me? Yeah. And I think right. this is what the Christian adds to the conversation. How do we get here? Environmental determinant. Absolutely. Social inequality. Absolutely. But we agree. But how do we get there? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think what Jesus did with that argument is he said, listen, the problem is actually ultimately, because that's really what the mm. Christian is answering. What we're answering is the question of how did we get here ultimately? <laughs> you follow yeah. me? How did we ultimately get here? Because at the end of the day, what we're coming, what Jesus did to answer that question is he said, listen, ultimately, the problem is not out there somewhere. Ultimately, it's not what goes into a man's body that defiles him. Ultimately, it's what comes from out of his heart. <laughs> you see, and the deeper heart, and the you follow me, out of the heart comes, and then he says, greed, you know, corruption, fornication, adultery. You see, it's out of the man's 
It's out of man's heart comes yeah. these issues. And so I think that what the Christian needs to add to the discussion, in other words, the Christian has something to add to these conversations that nobody else can. You know, Hinduism doesn't do it. <laughs> Buddhism doesn't do it. They literally say, how do we get here? Well, we got here because, you know, we but because of this inherent mm -hmm. need to have things. If we could only rid ourselves of desire, then we could ascend to a place of higher consciousness and into this nirvanic state of existence right. and float nebulously through the cloud. It's like, wait! <laughs> So are oh, you saying that the root <laughs> of all of our problems is desire? Right. <laughs> I, Jesus would actually say, who you appeal to, they appeal to Jesus. Jesus would actually say, I wish that you would desire. I wish that your desires would actually not be so limited to space and time. He says, because if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness. sake, you shall be filled. <laughs> I, it's not that, see, Jesus is not adversarial to hunger and thirst. He's not adversarial to desire. In fact, he calls us to it. He just he just poses himself as the the ultimate kind of satisfaction to that to those those longings and those desires. He says, "I am the living water. If you thirst, I am the bread of life. If you hunger, you see." So I think that what Christianity does is it introduces into the conversation some uh, a a a root a like that helps people to identify. Okay, the problem is actually me. Because if I if I can start with you see what I'm saying, and then it provides a solution that the world, the mainstream world doesn't provide either. We're talking about social issues. Does the does the mainstream world have answers? Absolutely. Do politicians have answers? Absolutely. Are some of those answers effective? Absolutely. Are they ultimately effective? In other words, can they last us forever? <laughs> and if the answer is no, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> if the answer is yeah. no, is there something? Is there any solution that can and that will last us forever? And if the answer is yes, where do we go to find it? And I think that what you see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, so, so I think that I think that all, all of these conversations that we're having. The Christian has to uh, should be both conciliatory and agreeing with the world where we can, while at the same time introducing the introducing the elements that are necessary but missing. And I think that that helps to round out the discussion and even the solutions. Ooh, we done got a word from Pastor <laughs> Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> Lambert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that, that's a lot to unpack and to process. Uh, I, I know. I, I, I'm sorry, bro. No, no, you don't have to. You don't have to apologize for the apologetics <laughs> at, all. <laughs> at all. Um, just shifting it, I guess, a little forward. So I'm, I'm looking yeah. at like the imagery. Um, <laughs> one thing we definitely want to focus is the, the totality of the creator, right? Being we, yeah. we are creators bearing the image of the creator of all things obviously right so um that's that's what we want to do and highlight on missing link podcast so i'm curious to know about 
just the imagery of this like who who designed the album cover what was the idea with that did you guys contribute towards that or did you kind of give pitch the idea and then somebody came up with it the graphic yeah, because this is a very powerful image it right is, here it is yeah yeah we pitched the idea um you know shout out to limo blaze and the graphic design team over there um they took our idea and just got it they got it you know we we told them what you know what the goal of the album was and they just got it and i think again i think it was easy for them because all you got to do is look around <laughs> and if because if you look at the artwork you'll see a police officer a muslim you know uh, <laughs> you know you see a police officer with their hand i mean mm-hmm. you, you know you look around you look at you look at what's going on in the world um and again the the graphic designer was in africa so that's very telling what that tells us is that you know like because a lot of times we think there's this huge chasm They're like they like they like people in Africa don't understand this. Like we have this very primitive world, right. yeah. perspective of what. No, it's not like that, bro. Right. <laughs> it's they're they're very much dealing with the very same things that we're dealing with. We were dealing with George Floyd. They were dealing with SARS. It's all the same stuff. And so to, when we put the idea, totally got it. We love the depiction yep. there. Yep. Um, like I don't know all the intricacies and all the ins and outs. I just kind of know. You know the, the most basic you know i'm sure if you talk to the designer himself he'll unpack you know right. the line in the cloud and the, you know why he decided right. to go with gold and not you know but right just in terms of taking it at face value absolutely we pitched the idea he immediately caught it and kind of this and, and captured what it is that we were trying to communicate the cover is very authentic to afrobeat man because most um, they use that cartoon style uh, for the for for Afrobeat. So my question is more uh, along the lines of the reception within the states, um, because I think most people over here who listen to CHH don't necessarily listen to Afrobeat and are really missing out on somebody like Limo Blaze, who's like the the Jay Z of Christian Afrobeat. So uh, what has been like the reception over here uh, since you dropped the album? Um, I've never been one to follow trends much. Um, I've always been one to establish what's next um, or highlight what's actually now in other parts of the world. And so I think that um, the, the reception has been great. And while at the same time, I understand that in the States, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. But it's not just in the States, it's in the church as well. Um, and unfortunately, you know, CHH is its own little bubble, sometimes at the exclusion of everything else that's going on in the world. <laughs> so, you know, for, for me, I've never only been Christian hip hop artist. If you follow my career, you've seen all the gospel stuff that I've done. If you listen to my body of work, you hear me singing, you hear me doing Coldplay stuff, you hear me. I am an artist. I'm an artist. I really am an artist, like through and through. I'm a musician first. I was going to go to Berkeley College of Music. I got a partial scholarship to university, um, the University of the Arts. You know, I'm I studied music theory. Like I'm really like a creative through and through. So, um, you know, this is more of this more of the same for me. I'm just like, you know, twelve albums, uh, twelve albums in, twenty plus years. If, if I don't, if I don't continue to do what I'm passionate about and evolve, yeah, I, I'm gonna get bored. And, and, <laughs> you know, I don't, I can't do. It. I just can't. I can't I, do it. So, <laughs> how does it feel to be in that place? Like to say something like that, man. Like mm-hmm. 20 years later, 
12 <laughs> albums like because i'm sure you know by now it's not a surprise to you many 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 in in the genre in the culture however people want to refer to it right this space um that we we are in of urban creators that have an affinity for hip-hop and for you know just culture in general right how we, we look to you as like a og you are one of the four <laughs> founders, the the innovators to break through, and, and this is not to discredit anybody else, but you definitely have the long standing, and you have uh, the perceived success, right? And I I say that word particularly because success is defined by people differently, but you have the perceived success of a goat. Like you, you get it in your comments yeah. all the time. I follow yeah. you, so I see it. So how, how <laughs> yeah, do you yeah, feel yeah. to say that? And I I guess what would your advice be to those? Um, Coming in with the the genuine heart to serve and the genuine heart to play their part to elevate and to uh, push forward the culture and how we engage and how we are conversing with people, right? I, what what would be your advice as as the OG? Yeah, I think everybody should. Well, first of all, thank you, bro. Um, young go, young OG. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I actually love kind of occupying this space because I realized that every. Um, Every genre needs it. Every every genre needs the young OGs, you know? Um, you know, in every arena, in fact, you know? Um, you can hire a bunch of young guns in a corporate space if you want <laughs> without, uh, without without some seasoned vets and you're going to have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, Le- LeBron is still the most important man on the, on the court. And always, <laughs> so, and always has been. Even wherever. though he's the oldest man in the locker room. Yeah. Even though he's the oldest man in the locker room. So I think um, obviously generationalism causes a problem, mm. uh, you know, can, can create problems. Um the chronological snobbery can create problems um, where that that's essentially is just this notion that, you know, if you if you any ideas that are more than five years old are not to be embraced by the new school. Wow. <laughs> so that's chronological snobbery, you know, wow. <laughs> that, that, that people are kind of convinced that, you know, you, you know, it, that an older an idea is inherently antiquated you know <laughs> and irrelevant that's so important uh, <laughs> that's so important to a previous and, and all that, new yeah. yeah and all new ideas are inherently you know um <laughs> relevant and you see what i mean so um you know it, it, it that can create a problem you know but i do love the space that i'm in um i don't deal with that much a lot many of the people to your point respect me and respect my voice and i respect theirs i think that's a big part of it as a young og it's really just that mutual respect you feel me um you know i respect rockstar jay you know what i'm saying i respect the young guns you know what i mean um you know i love what they're doing i might get them on the next album you know if he's mm-hmm. willing to do it <laughs> you know what i'm saying rockstar, i'm gonna dm you right after this bro <laughs> you feel me <laughs> But you feel me? Just the likes of the rock star. I love John Keith. Like, I love these... I don't say kids. But you know what I'm saying? I love these guys. You know what I mean? They're young men. So, I love these guys, man. Like, I love what they're doing. You know, I love their passion. I love their heart for what they're doing. Only thing that I would say um, is really what I've been saying. Uh, I guess I'd say, you know, continue... Ultimately, keep your heart... Your your ear pressed to the heart of God um, so that you have clear direction on what it is that is necessary for you to do from a kingdom perspective if that's what you're doing um and the reason why that 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 if is 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 really important because uh the truth is that um people don't 
one of the things that I know that the younger generation has felt kind of um, the pressure of um, and part of the reason why they discarded part of the reason why there's been a kind of chronological snobbery is because um, they assumed that the older generation of artists, you know, A, do not respect them. Um, that's one mm-hmm. or respect what they do. And then the second thing that they think is that we want them to be who we were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. It's just not true. You know, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I don't know if you have, if you saw my, um, the IG live that I did with Aaron Cole, we talked a lot about this. So it was a great conversation. Oh, no, I did it. I you know, um, that's the homie too. Yeah. 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 We had exactly. We had a great conversation. Um, that to me should be continued because there is there are all these kind of preconceived ideas and notions and all these misconceptions um, that kind of bleed into uh, the relationships even um, and that's just kind of looming in the back of the younger generation's mind about who we are and what we think <laughs> you know what I'm saying um, and those presupp when people build their ideas about who you are on those presuppositions obviously it can create not necessarily a problem but it just creates this thing yeah right. you can't quite pinpoint it right. whether <laughs> um, it's the elephant in the so, room or just that awkward feeling that can't be yeah you feel me? like you said earlier yeah, it's kind of exactly. like it's that thing that can't be identified <laughs> it can't be right. identified it's not tangible but it's but it's there mm. and so uh, so i'm saying all that to say one of the misconceptions about us is that we want people to do now what we did then and the re- the truth of the matter is that we actually it's actually the opposite. Watch watch complicated ish. Flame and I talk about it all the time. Listen, if you are an artist and you are a Christian, you do not have to do Christian music. That's just I, I mean that became abundantly clear. You know, <laughs> um, now granted I might have been somewhere else five ten years ago, but um, that became abundantly clear to me. You know, at least over the past. I don't know, seven, eight years. You know, I've been saying this. Listen, and we've and we've been doubling and tripling down on it on our podcast. Like, listen, listen. It, it's in fact, and this is the, probably the, the 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 added piece to it. It's probably best that some of you guys don't do Christian music. That you just be dope. Like, just just be dope. just go be great. And if you're Christian, just be in, just be sure that your Christianity informs everything that you do mm. and how you navigate even in mainstream spaces or wherever you find yourself. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you, you know, the, the world needs you. And I'm not talking about people who are like, you know, throwing off, you know, I'm, that, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not talking about people for whom it's not organic. And I'm not talking about like, you know, people who are like, I just want to go farther. I just want to, this is holding me back. Let me throw this off. <laughs> not that, right. you know, it's no, it's people who are like, no, I'm actually it's the Tory Kelly's of the world who say I'm not a Christian artist, really. I'm just I'm just dope. And I just want to be on the Grammys and sing with Kermit the Frog. <laughs> like do that. We, like right. we absolutely need it's, you follow me. Like we absolutely need you in that space. You're necessary. It's important that you're there. And I think that what that would do is that would eliminate even a lot of the frustration that you that you get from younger chh artists the truth of the matter is that a lot of them probably don't belong in chh (laughs) they should just go be great just go and do music bro and be amazing you you know be toby i forget you know mcguing 
this is this is so incredibly timely because now it, it draws us to the question because um i don't know it, i guess i'll ask you a, a highlight question are you on clubhouse are you aware of clubhouse and what that is have you heard of it yet i i am aware of it yeah I, yeah okay. i got turned on so, to it last week um i started i got into one he was helping me out so yeah i love it Okay, praise God. So this has been one of the hot topics. And I, I, I see exactly what you've been describing as far as like these parallels and these two completely like binary areas. If it's kind of like strong all the way headstrong and then it's all the way kind of just dismissive. Right. Um, and I've seen the different energies. Yes. But what, what's starting to develop is this. It's com- It keeps coming back to that origin question, like you said, of what do we do now like what what do we do now and how do we prepare so what you said is so crucial and so incredible and mind-blowing i don't know if you realize it when you said it but like maybe some of you don't belong in this particular space this niche you don't have to have the role of the title so how do we from the space cultivate and disciple and maybe equip right it doesn't have to be straight up discipleship taking somebody under the wing teaching them apologetics and stuff like that but how do we uh, push on and spurn on the next generation. I, I guess we could finish up with this, but I would love to get your thoughts on this. How do we, as a community, build this? Because we see that we see this uh, this kind of demographic of young individuals young inspired not to say you ain't young not to say i ain't young but i'm just uh in the faith i would like to say right young in the faith that are now coming up and they want to please the lord through their talents their giftings but they don't necessarily have to fall in the mode and they've witnessed they've witnessed the, the the treachery or the bad relationships or um the families being torn apart about not doing business correctly right and really the origin point is how you are as a believer should like you said indicate and inform how you operate generally so what yeah. would be your advice and how can we as a culture really culminate and push people out to be who they are in christ i think we just continue to have this conversation out loud uh, because that's been one of the mm. missing pieces that um we there there was a time where i was I've always been in a space where I felt like a Christian artist can can navigate in non-Christian spaces. I've never been in a space. I mean, it wasn't until recently that I that I've been in a space where I've felt like it's important that Christian art Christians actually not be Christian artists. <laughs> like that's new, <laughs> unless it's it's for me. I can't. I couldn't be anything other than what I am because it's just how God hardwired me you you see what I mean Mm. right I can't be anything else that's it I am who I am and I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm comfortable in my skin because I know I'm exactly where I need to be um but unless you have that pressing on you flame has that same thing on him it was Paul the apostle I wear the chains of the gospel. Like there's no, we we can't, we will never break free from it. Even if we wanted to, even if we tried. So you settle in, (laughs) this is your lot. You have been mandated to do it like this. (laughs) That's flame. And I, you follow me. That was the cross movement. Um, You know, unless you have that kind of impressed upon you, uh, I I think that you, you should explore what other options there are. You follow me? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that to continue to say this out loud, people like myself and you guys and using these platforms to continue to say this out loud is important. Uh, Because for some of the young artists, this is the first time that they're actually hearing it, which for some of them, it's permission. 
it, you know, it's, it's it, you, yeah. you see what I'm saying? It's a light ball. It's, oh, wait, I don't have to do this just because I'm Christian. I don't have to do Christian just because I'm like, and that will free so many of them up, you know? And I'll be honest, Flame has really, you, you know, took me to the next level in this understanding. He's really like, so I, but, mm-hmm. so I don't know, y- y'all, know, y'all know Flame and I, we just like, that's my bro. Like that's my, <laughs> yes, yes. like we're literally up Please do, do a same plug for everything people need to follow. Oh uh, yeah, what oh, yeah. To oh, be com- up oh yeah, on. complicated-ish, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, make sure y'all, make sure y'all watch, watch and listen to complicated-ish. We looked at the numbers for this year. Minds are completely blown. People are really tuned in and we're excited about um, 2021. Complicated-ish, that's the podcast with Flame and I. But um, we're literally up. I, I, and I'm, this is not with this was not no exaggeration. Yeah. Sometimes 11, 12, 13 hours, three, four days straight, just talking. So it is literally iron sharpening iron. Crazy. By the time y'all see that podcast, that is the most distilled <laughs> version of <laughs> 72 wow. hours of conversation. <laughs> wow. You see what I'm saying? That, and, and a lot of anointing, I can imagine, right? Yeah. That's like, yeah. that's oh, kind of like that, that pastor in that, that prayer room and then oh, comes absolutely. out to do the sermon. That's what your dialogue is doing to you guys absolutely. and boosting and amplifying absolutely. the message. Yeah, God meets us in that space for sure. And so I'm saying that um, he's been really instrumental and kind of even you know um shaping this like really just cementing that's what it is cementing this idea that was kind of already in me i just needed somebody to push it Mm. i'm like that's what it is like that is why they're so angry it's they came in with expectations that have gone unmet but those expectations are can really only be met in a different context. There's no way that the expectations that they have can be met in this space. They have to go somewhere else to get what they're looking for. And that wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> in fact, it would be necessary. It would be the place where they're most fulfilled and they can make the most impact. Go. So <laughs> that's... That's, that's the advice that I give to the young guys. Whoa. That, that's the encouragement that's needed, man. Too many people are struggling trying to fit into a mold that that really yeah. somebody else's personal yeah, it's conviction. A, it's, a, it's a copycat culture. People, yeah. Derek Miner did it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do it like Derek Miner. Um, mm-hmm. Which, again, I love what Derek Miner and Derek Miner went off into sports. And I'm like, yes, I'm happy for him. You know, he's not locked because it's something that glorifies God, makes him a bunch of money mm-hmm. and keeps him, you know, in a space where he's where he's he's not compromising his Christian convictions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And still doing what he loves to do. I'm like, man, you know, that that's encouraging to watch, to see. And so anyway, I got to really wrap this up. But that's what I would say to the younger artists. Man, to wrap it up, we just had an amazing, incredible, mind-blowing, just perspective-challenging, fruitful dialogue with The Truth, who is uh, stepping forward into ministry as a pastor of apologetics. Uh, Make sure you're tuning into Complicated-ish with him and the other OG, Flame. Um, Man, he's just about to tell us that we are expecting new music 
And we have a lot of things to come for the new year. Uh, yep. This present year, right? Because we're in 2021. So thank you for listening. Thank you for joining the Missing Link podcast with myself, Prophet Link, and the homie, DJ Lost and Found. Praise God. Be blessed. Me down like lo, lo, lo. Your love is sweet like me, lo, lo. You make a promise, then you deliver. You never fail me, no, no, no. What type of loving? You ain't a part of my burdens. You put the boy on the way for this week to be. Yeah, fight for the weak and the poor. That's how we go and rise from the ashes. Plus we get our knees to the floor. That's how we go and find any answers. Can't find peace with a sword. That's how you know the fight is supernatural. Yeah, heartbeat to the core, we retreat to the law when it's time for some action. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Fight with the king, get the spoils. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Blood and bones in the soil. Walk with the bodyguard. Only go to war with the lawyer. Yeah. Saints like arms that you cannot fall when God is there for you. Your love is sweet like me, Lolo. You make a promise, then you deliver. You never fail me, no, no, no. What's up, love? Then you deliver, you never feel me, no, no, no What type of love it?